This is a QAMR Berghofer Medical Research Institute podcast. The story of how commercial solariums came to be banned in Australia is incredibly powerful. Back in 2007, the solarium industry was rapidly growing across the nation. Then, a young melanoma patient spoke out in the media using the final weeks of her life to launch a campaign for regulation of commercial solariums. Her campaign was joined by doctors, cancer charities and two researchers from QIMR Berghofer, skin cancer scientist Professor Adele Green and health economist Associate Professor Louisa Gordon. Now, the work they did in Australia is being used to help campaign for an outright ban on commercial solariums in England – I'm Bridie Barry, and our guest on this episode of Body Lab is Dr. Louisa Gordon. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Now, just take us back to that time in August 2007, because at that stage, the solarium industry was really rapidly growing, wasn't it, across the nation? What was happening at that time? We were seeing businesses popping up. They were offering package deals to to get the perfect tan. Yeah, that's right. So... The um, sunbed industry, like it had done in the US and um, and Europe, saw Australia as another market to promote their solarium businesses, and they were setting up solariums and sunbed in you know hair salons and beauty salons and you know everywhere around Australia, and particularly in Victoria, where the weather is a bit more harsh and you know rainy and cloudy not so much in Queensland but it was growing everywhere in every state and so people that work in cancer researchers were really concerned about this because we know that sunbeds emit very strong UV radiation just like the sun in some cases much stronger than the sun young people and teenagers were going in and using these package deals, so what would happen is they'd offer a discount for a 10-visit use to go to a sunbed, and, and parents would buy these for their children so that they could get a good tan for their school formals or for their weddings or before they went on holidays. And so we were really concerned about this. And at the time, there was a voluntary standard that was supposed to be adhered to by the the sunbed operators and they were supposed to give warnings to their clients and they were supposed to check their skin type and if they were very fair they were supposed to warn them and you know let them know this that this could be a risk for skin cancer so there was some research to show that they were not compliant at all everyone was quite worried that on top of Australia's already very high outdoor UV environment and our extremely high amongst the highest in the world's rates of melanoma and other skin cancers and also the cost to the system we were also doing this indoor tanning on top of that so a very worrying situation back in the day. And then Claire Oliver spoke to the media from her hospital bed and then he was this beautiful young 25-year-old who should have had her whole life ahead of her. Instead, there she was, diagnosed with melanoma and using the final weeks of her life to launch a campaign for regulation of commercial solariums. And it was incredibly powerful, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a very sad story. And she did a magnificent job. She touched a lot of people. She generated a lot of media attention. She was on 60 Minutes with Liz Hayes. And from that point on, everyone was banding together to try and get change happening. So it was a very effective 
way of drawing attention that this very young person was dying of melanoma. She had advanced stage melanoma, only weeks left to live. She blamed her sunbed use. She did. She went to a solarium and she used the service. She went multiple times. And so that UV radiation would have contributed something to her melanoma. I mean, as you said, it was just an incredibly sad and very powerful way that she delivered that campaign. And I think from the the time of her first interview, she passed away. I think she just made her wish to to celebrate her 26th birthday. But then that's where you come in with the delivering on the other wish, this regulation Mm -hmm. of the, the commercial solarium industry so that other young people wouldn't go through what she went through. Yeah, so we we knew that it was all sort of happening in the background, that the cancer councils were very worried about this issue. And then the Claire Oliver story broke in the media. You know, I work in the population health department, and so we're, we're interested in risk factors and health issues that deal with populations, and in particular prevention of diseases. And Adele Green was approached by the Australian government as being a stellar person in skin cancer research with her all of her decades of expertise in melanomas and non-melanoma skin cancers and they said to her look we would like to have a report on a review of the evidence on the dangers of sunbed and also the economic impacts if we regulate against sunbeds in the community and so I was working at in the department at the time with Adele on other skin cancer research and she said to me look Louisa let's do this it's really important work and so we had a team and we worked together on this piece of work. So it was combining both looking at the health evidence and the risk of getting melanomas if people were using sunbeds versus if they don't, and then also looking at the health economic modelling aspect. So what are the costs to government if we regulate? If people aren't aware, what does a health economist do? A health economist is concerned with the resources that we use in the health sector. And so we're always concerned about, you know, are the right resources being used? Are they being used efficiently? Are they being used equitably? And so we are interested in like new interventions, the cost effectiveness of those new interventions. We want to highlight, you know, when things are too expensive. We want to highlight when things are saving the government money because that's really important and it just raises that accountability in research and in healthcare of new interventions that are coming on board. So going back to that time when um, Professor Adele Green and yourself, you saw this growing momentum for regulation for the commercial solarium industry in Australia. Just tell us about this modelling. This was world leading, wasn't it? What did it show? And, And just tell us a little bit about that. We looked at the situation of regulating what would happen, what would it look like if everything just continued as it was. Rates of skin cancer would increase and people would still use sunbeds and the relative risk of cancer would be there. And then we compared that situation to if we regulated. And at the time it was we wanted to regulate under 18s. So we didn't want children using these sunbeds. We now regulate against all adults and children, but at the time it was just children. And this had never been done in the world anywhere before. They never sort of had looked at a a health economic lens to this. So we looked at the health benefits and the lives that could be potentially saved, and we looked at the costs. So we projected into the future these two scenarios, with regulation and without regulation, and we looked at what the benefits would be to government. And we found that there would be 
significant melanomas prevented, significant keratinocyte cancers prevented, the non-melanomas, and cost savings to government, and also productivity savings because people are in the prime of their lives, and so if they are dying, that's really bad for the economy. We looked at all of these benefits and provided this evidence to the government as they requested. I think I asked you if you had a, a photo or, or anything of, of that time and you said, no, we were just heads down. There was just this momentum, this work, this world first work of combining all those things at the time. So what were you doing? You were taking this to policymakers. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was, we had no time at all to do this. We were asked to produce this evidence within three months. I mean, normally you get about 12 months or more if you get a request like this, but we just got a team together. We partitioned the work, we generated the evidence, and we just got the work. Once we had finished it, we sent the report in, and then it was up to us to sort of try and work on dissemination. So we met with different committees and people in government and explained our results and they were pretty receptive to the findings. And then we went and published it in the academic literature to also spread the word more broadly. And it was successful, although, I mean, it wasn't a quick process, was it? I mean, it took till, was it 2016 for all state governments to have banned? It took at least eight years. You know, it didn't happen at a federal level. It happened at a state level. So first Victoria passed the legislation and then once one state did it, then all the rest kind of followed. But it took time. That's right. And this Australia, I mean, was really leading the world with this because we're we're one of the few countries to have an outright ban on commercial solariums. That's right. I mean, it was a really great success story for public health and for skin cancer around the world. And it was a really nice thing to be part of and you know what a great result for us and it also meant that other jurisdictions and other countries they started to also legislate against minors so it was really a very good outcome and WHO were also interested in the work and they asked us to do follow-up modelling for North America and in Europe Because there aren't a lot of health economists around and not a lot are working in skin cancer. So I got that work. (laughs) It's a great thing to be part of. And I'm very proud of QIMR and kind of working in a team that was so respected and we got the job done. Just on the work that you did for the World Health Organization, the findings that you had from what you looked at there too are also incredibly alarming. Yes, it is. I mean, the WHO have been concerned about sunbeds for a while and and they know the difficulties in Europe and in America and how strong the sunbed industry is. And so they have been putting out guidelines over time. And what's happened after we put our legislation in place, you know, other countries followed, which was fantastic. And we've now seen quite a substantial drop in sunbed use. So it's gone from about 12.5% of the populations down to 6.5%, which is a really big drop. And you know, millions of people are now not using sunbeds. But then they approached us and said, well, can you do some more economic modelling for us? And so I was happy to help. And so we, we did some more modelling and we, we looked at the current sunbed use figures and what it could still look like if it was dropped even further and we presented that evidence as well. So that all we hope adds to the evidence that can be used for governments to argue for legislation if they want to take it further. And now the research, the modelling that you did 
for Australia, is now being adapted for use in England. Just set the scene for us because I just wanted to find a little bit more out about the issue there in England, in particular the Northwest. I mean, it's a real hotspot, isn't it, for melanoma skin cancers and the popularity of, of sunbeds in England? It is. And we know that there's this gradient. The more north you go, I guess the weather is colder and it's it's more miserable and, and people are kind of ripe for having a tan and, and going on holidays in, this, in you know, sunny areas. And so they want to get a tan and it's promoted heavily by the sunbed industry. It is a very aggressive industry. We were lucky in Australia. It wasn't quite at that level. But now, you know, there's a lot of promoting to people that may not be quite on top of their health literacy and not quite as educated as the kind of London people. We know that it's quite, the prevalence of some abuse is quite high and it's higher up in, in the north, more northern areas of England and Scotland. And so this was an area of real concern to our colleagues at the University of Manchester and a lot of the colleagues that they work with in dermatology. And so there was a, an impetus to do more in this area over there. So that's really how this began. Then at the time, the sunbeds are banned for minors in England. But, you know, once you hit 18, then you can just go to sunbeds and, and use them, you know, as much as you want. So it was something, you know, that's also concerning. It's still including that younger group. And it's what, something like 17% of, of women use sunbeds and... I think about 9% for males. So yes, it's very high use when you consider we're trying to drop it right down as far as possible, but that's a, quite a high prevalence. And you were called in to adapt the modelling that you'd done for the Australian situation. And even one of the lead researchers, Dr Martin Eden from the University of Manchester, came out to Australia and spent time with you at QIMR Berghofer for a little while last year. You know, we're very happy to share our modelling. Um, you know, things have changed and improved and so we, we wanted to build a, a really robust, accurate model for England. And so everything had to be adapted for England, but... Basically, the model kind of structure and the framework was the same and the principles were the same. We had to uh, update a lot of the figures. But Martin did a great job and he was able to interview and, and speak to some of the stakeholders that were involved in the legislation process at the time. So it was a very useful process because he could understand the context and what happened and, and how we, we managed that change. And the research that you all did, the findings have recently been published in the British Journal of Dermatology. So, so tell us what you found. What we found in our modelling was that compared to the current situation, that a ban on commercial indoor tanning combined with a public health campaign would result in about 1,200 avoided cases of melanoma, 200 fewer melanoma deaths and net monetary benefits of £10.6 million, pounds, um, which is about $20 million Australian dollars. And that's just for a cohort of 18-year-olds who are followed for the rest of their life. I mean, extrapolate that. I, obviously, it's, it's quite hard. But, I mean, we're talking, you, you could save, you know, many, many lives with a ban and millions and millions of, of pounds. Dollars. Yeah, that's right. I mean, with most public health prevention um, initiatives, whether it's taxing alcohol or taxing um, sugar-sweetened beverages, these kinds of regulations are so beneficial. They really do, within quite a short span of time, they save 
our economies a lot of money, but they're also saving lives and deaths and illness. So it's a really important thing to do is when we get governments on board to protect our health, even if it means you know they're going to be up against commercial interests. And speaking of those commercial interests, I mean, the, the sunbed industry in England is well established. It's profitable. This isn't an easy task, is it, campaigning for a ban against sunbeds in England? No, it's not. It's not easy at all. And I think one of the things they worry about is they're going to lose employment, people that are being employed in these industries, in these salons and operating the sunbeds. But really, I don't think that's really an issue because they can switch to spray tanning, which we know is safer, is not going to give their clients UV radiation, and they would still have their jobs. Really not a strong argument. What is the message that you're trying to get across to the public and to policymakers? Well, to the public, we just want to reinforce the message that sunbeds are very dangerous and you know, they're going to cause you problems later on in life and it's not worth it. To policymakers, we really want to say, you know, the health benefits are so clear. But if you don't want to look at that, just look at the economic evidence and the cost benefits. If we don't do this now, it's going to cost more in the long run. And the cost savings are so significant. The cost savings are significant, but it's an easy choice. You know, it's an easy thing to do is pass legislation to avoid a cancer that we know how to prevent. It's a win-win situation for everybody. So just finally then, what is your hope with the modelling that you've come up with? We know now there's a ban in, an outright ban in Australia, in Brazil and in Iran. There's restrictions in place in other countries and this campaign in England. What is your hope? Is that other countries also see the benefits that your modelling is showing and then put in place total bans, not just restrictions, total bans on the use of sunbeds? Yeah, that, that's exactly right. We you know, really obviously welcome that. And my modelling can be shared with other people in other countries. We really support open science and sharing our work and advising our work, just as we have done with our English colleagues. That would be an ideal situation is just to keep this momentum rolling of reducing sunbed use around the world. It has been fascinating to listen to the research findings and to hear about this campaign that's getting underway in England. Thank you so much for speaking with us. Thanks for having me, Bridie. And if you'd like to learn more about this important work being done by Associate Professor Louisa Gordon, visit qimrberghofer.edu.au.